0: As you're alive to your senses and you're aware of holding all of this you're deeply tethered to where you left so you're connected to home and never break that tether and you're holding all of this just with pure attentiveness and for a hundred generations a group of people found every inhabitable island in the pacific ocean without a map or a chart or a magnetic compass so i take that story and i think okay so I'm wayfinding now. Like I am really am, I'm mean, even this conversation with you guys, I don't have anything in front of me. I'm not reading anything. You're not reading anything. You know, three of us are wayfinding and we're, we're creating wave fields as we're talking, you know, we're, and we're both, all of us are picking up our own histories. We're picking up our own personhood. Even our genetics are at play and our brain waves and sound waves you're hearing from my voice. It's all waves. So we are on the deck of our catamarans, all of us holding a vision where we wanna go, all trying to find our way.
1: This is Way of the Artist with Brandon Colby-Cook and
2: Evan Schulte. Identifying your blocks and demystifying your struggles so that you can claim your own path and make your life a work of art. welcome 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 everybody out there in podcast land it's way of the artist with another one for you and we've got a really interesting guest i don't think we've had a guest quite like this on the show not only is this a person who has done just a lot of different things a a renaissance man (laughs) of sorts. He didn't put that title on himself. I'm I'm kind of just saying that right now. Um, But our guest today uh, is Dan Hines. And I'll just tell you a little bit about Dan. He was mentored by the community activist and writer Parker J. Palmer. Dan serves as an international freelance speaker, workshop facilitator, and leadership consultant in various contexts and communities. In recent years, his workshops have taken him to China, Central America, throughout Canada and the U.S. on sailboats and hiking trails. I'm sure there's more things that it's taken him on. Uh, And he is the co-founder of the Rare Birds Housing Cooperative. He's an Anglican priest and has run for public office, taught horticulture, and managed a zoo. Just to (laughs) cap it all off, managed a zoo. I love that (laughs) finale on there. Uh, So, Dan, uh, thank you very much for coming on to the show and and chatting with us.
0: Yeah, thanks, Evan. Thanks, Brandon. It's great to be here.
2: So, I mean, there are so many things that we could talk about. I mean, I personally have a curiosity about um, talking a little bit about some of, uh, like, definitely Parker Palmer, because he is an author who I have read, and I appreciate um, what the messages that he has tried to share, uh, as well as your background, um, and, and practices an Anglican priest, uh, and especially in the kind of time that we live in and, and what that entails. Um, but one thing that wasn't mentioned in the biography that we sort of laid out there for you, uh, but something that has been brought to my attention through what I have read about you and heard about you is that you I don't necessarily know how to put this other than that you work with questions mm. in a very interesting way um, you use questions at in a I mean I don't want to speak too much on your behalf I'm going to turn it over to you here but you use questions in a way to open up it seems to open up people into a different realm of understanding and experience. And I want you to, uh, I I first am really curious about knowing what your process is with questions, where you learned some of that process. And um, you know, maybe you can take us a little bit on that journey.
0: Okay, sure. Uh, One place to start is to talk about how, most of us have been socialized into a practice of listening, responding, um, asking questions of one another, you know, in which we we expend most of our energy seeking to try to understand each other, but also gently coerce, um, direct, advise one another uh, so we we learn we learn a practice of of speaking uh, of listening of of asking questions that has a, a lot of energy expended on on uh, the interrelationship. But there is there is a, an art of questions in which we actually set that aside, and it's countercultural. It's very unconventional. But there's a way of asking a question of another where I'm not asking a question of curiosity. I'm not asking a question because I'm trying to understand this other person's story, as beautiful as that can be in a relationship. I can ask a question that actually doesn't have advice kind of hidden inside the question, like an analysis of the other. So these are diagnostic questions. The questions we're trying to help somebody, but to help them maybe see something that we see and we'd be helpful if they could see it. And, you know, I, I got two adult daughters and so they could tell you that I mastered this as a parent, you know, the asking, you know, have you thought about, have you considered this? Or the ultimate parent's question, what were you thinking when you did this? What were you, you know, what were you possibly thinking when you did this? Um, the art of open questions is to ask a question of which I don't know the answer at all. It's to ask a question of another person where I'm actually not seeking to even understand them, but to give them an opportunity for self-understanding, to evoke within them whatever they hear in that question that may serve them. So I detach as the one asking the question from an answer Instead, I'm giving them an opportunity to respond to the question with a freedom to just notice what words are arising from that question. Like, I'll give you you some examples. You know, if I ask you the question right now, uh, you know, what is your body saying to you as we're beginning this podcast? Like, what are you feeling in your body right now as we're starting? I have no idea what's going on in your body, but it gives you a great opportunity to say, Oh, you know, I'm pretty excited. My heart's fluttering a little bit. And, you know, um, I'm attentive. I'm excited. Um, my body, you know, I, I'm, I'm having this bodily reaction. I'm feeling it kind of in my chest, my heart, my head. The 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 soul has an immune system like it's very it's very aware of pathogens. So when there is an attempt to try to direct me and and a sense that I'm being judged, and I'm being analyzed by someone, and I'm also then suddenly being coerced by them, all of a sudden my defense mechanisms fire up, right? All my T cells start to fire up in my heart mm-hmm. and I start, and I know, then I'll just give you, if if I want to play the game, I'll just give you what you want to hear, right? And right. we'll I'm play that, we can play that game all day, like the game of what do you need from me and this is what you need from me, so is what I'll give you, right? Um, yeah there is a there is a form of questions that are so honest and true that they actually come from the soul they actually come from the heart they come from the place in where we're connected to each other so the immune system doesn't fire up it receives that question as an invitation it receives that question actually as part of the heart and so it recognizes the 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 opening in that question the the expansiveness of that question And then uh, when it minimizes the defense mechanisms, there's a greater freedom for uh, a true response to arise, you know, and for real words to come and for vulnerability then to increase. And then for us to be able to, but you know, to, uh, to do that, you have to suspend a lot of socialized behavior and you have to set aside the goal of mutually understanding one another to say, there can be moments in which i can just witness you i can just hear you really deeply listen to you and you can try to understand yourself because you have inner wisdom i don't have access to and you you know you're a mystery i'll never understand so i want to give you this opportunity so i I've, i i've been working with this practice of of open questions now for quite a few years and it comes originally, it comes out of the out of the Society of Friends, out of the Quaker community, and then came to me through Parker Palmer, my mentor and friend. And since then, you know, I've just spent a lot of time within myself, within others in these groups, and particularly a two-hour process that came out of the Quaker community called a clearness committee, in which one person gets two hours to stream whatever they want to say out loud to a group of people in which there's no eye contact. There's no interpersonal energy expended, except for just to be present with one another. And four, five, six people sit with that person, that focused person, and they get two hours to hear themselves, and then occasionally an open question gets asked. And so I, I spend a lot of time when I do workshops and retreats, teaching people how to ask these type of questions and recognize where they come from, so. So you see,
1: do you see questions as like a gift, like it's like something to give?
0: That's great, Brian. Yeah. In fact, one of my teachings that I I provide people is that, you know, the three of us are talking right now, but there's a space between the three of us where we can recognize together. And in that space, I can offer you a question and just place it in that that center point then you're allowed to pick it up. And sometimes I describe it like this, You got, I actually put my question in a blank envelope and that's the question I'm asking or the question I'm intending to ask, but then you pick up the question and then you're free to actually see in the question what I call the question behind the question, like the question your own heart wants to respond to. And my question may just trigger it, it may, it may just stimulate it. it, it it's so it's, it's evocative, it's, it's, it's what you see in my inkblot. That I'm giving you, and then you responding to that. So you're right. It, I love the idea of gifts, and it and it is a, it's a gift in which I, as the one asking the question, I place it, and then I back away. I, I I don't have any strings attached to it, and then you're not speaking to me, and um, that's why when I teach a practice of being in a circle of trust, we call this process. Um. You know, we don't make eye contact with each other. We're not trying to speak across the circle to one another. We're always speaking into the center place. We're always, and that's the place of, of heart and soul and inner wisdom. And we're just trying to hear ourselves into deeper speech mm-hmm. and, and witness one another in that way. So yeah, that's a great insight to call it a gift. Yeah.
1: It's, it's interesting. I'm, I'm wrapping my head around this whole concept and I, I I'm, it's, 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 it sounds really awesome. Um, Something that I, spend a lot of time on is thinking about how we're socialized and and how culture forms us. And then uh, because of that, it creates a certain like a box or a boundary in which we live. And once you do that long enough, it's very hard to break out of that, you know, that not because, not because you don't want to, but because you can't see anything, but what you've been conditioned to see in a lot of ways. And so um, looking at a question as, instead of trying to get something as a gift and being detached from it is like, like that's something that my conditioning, I've never really thought of it that way. And I love that because it's like breaking my mold, but until you said it, until you brought it up, it's like my mind was just, Oh, questions are like this. Not that I was going like, I'm trying to get something. But once you pointed it out, I'm like, Oh, I've never really asked the question, not to find out an answer, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah, but to give the question and then to not need something back from it. You know, not that he even looked at it that way, but I just was conditioned to always kind of do it that way, which I think probably most people are. It's fascinating.
0: It speaks to uh, the need then to have alternative spaces in which we actually practice these new disciplines. Because you know, as a theory or just as an idea, it 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 begins to work in us. Like that, that is definitely always the place of, of oh wow, this is like upside down. This is a whole other way, and I could see the oh, I can see the benefit of this, right? And I. Uh, but then when we get our, find ourselves in a place where we're actually practicing, like actually doing the art, then we notice how hard it is. That's and, and by far in all of the work that I do. This is the one that people come back to, so it's interesting Evan, you grabbed this at the beginning because this is the one that people identify as the most countercultural, like the most really until they get a taste of it. And I always say, you know, don't force these questions. You know, they come and go. Like this, the the silence is okay, and it's okay to take our time, and it's okay to to first of all notice a question, and then to say, wow, I got something attached to that question. Like that is not an open question. And then to just set it aside and then maybe open up to what was, would be the open question that maybe lies beneath that, you know, that, that, that actually isn't expansive. And of course, there's some, there's some, um, there's some very clear practices that help. Like, for example, you know, as soon as I ask a binary question, a yes, no question, I'm asking for a question, and then you're responding to me into that question. So, as the minute I identify yes, no, answer, I know that this is not the open, expansive question. But behind any, every one of those binary questions, there really is uh, a unifying overall question about how we get there. Like, how do we get to that step of deciding what is what is under that decision point? Instead of forcing this person to make a decision in front of me. I say to them, what would, what would, what would empower that decision? What would, what were the, what are the inner dynamics that are informed in that decision? How are you holding that? What do you have to let go before you could make that decision? You know, um, so there's a, there's a hundred questions behind every closed, limited forced question, you know, uh, a hidden advice question. There's, there's, there are always opportunities for an open question underneath those, but it takes us a while to, to feel them and taste them and sense them, and then trust them. Yeah.
2: Yeah. To do that, that type of exploration into it. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of what you're you're saying um, makes me think of you know some of the the work of uh, Jiddu Krishnamurti. Um, you know who. Very much was like let let's not rush into trying to find some sort of an answer here. Let's go into something together, and he would say that it's like because then then we don't become propagandists. You know mm-hmm. we don't. <laughs> you right. know we co- we become creative human beings in in that space with each other. Uh, and I think that's that's a really beautiful thing, and and I'm glad we got into this because it's so. Rare to hear somebody talk about uh, questions in this kind of way, and and it's something that we're like it, it is countercultural, as you said. Like it's it's so against the sort of concrete nature uh, that we're always sort of seeking in um, in our culture.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, we 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 live in a social experiments that has become quite violent and quite aggressive. What it demands of us, you know, um, the folks that show up, I mean, my own experience, but then the people that show up in these circles now over these years, they're pretty beat up and battered. And a lot of them have learned to be pretty self-protective for good reasons, especially in a, a small group doing spiritual work, you know, because they've, They've been in those groups before, where they were deeply coercive, where there was they were not safe, uh, where they got hurt and betrayed. A lot of folks coming out of religious backgrounds have been. They're not in those faith communities anymore for a reason. They, they just weren't. They didn't, it's not that they just didn't serve them, but some of them were actually really difficult um, for them. And then, just as a as a whole society. We just we want everything so quick and so you know so it's, uh, <laughs> it's high speed. It's like, you know, give it back to me in these few moments. And one of the things that people say over and over again when they go on retreat together is how refreshing it is to be in a space in which I'm allowed to say what I need to say to hear myself say it, and then no one touches my stuff, and that there's <laughs> some silence together and that there's there's this wonderful opportunity to notice the words that want to be spoken from within myself. And, then, and that I can revisit something I just said because there's time to do that, you know to notice what's coming back up. And, and then oh God, I love the, I love being freed from not having to be wise or you know my training is that as a priest in which I'm taught how to be spiritual and wise for people. and that means always having a response, like always having something that can give them back. And I've had to unlearn that behavior, mm. and to know that this other person has an access point to grace or to a knowing uh, to their own true self that I don't, I could never even fathom. And so, it's far better if they can hear it from themselves. Far better if it can arise organically as they're holding these you know these open questions or just dealing with a piece of poetry or a visual image or whatever it is, that's kind of wide open for them to see what they need to see. And then, you know, then to begin to open up about what it is they're going through. And then it's so sacred and so protected that there's no commentary on that. There's no need to, because of whatever need to be spoken, you know, how self-honest do you want to be when there's no one to fool? Mm-hmm. How courageous do you want to be with your own stuff? and if if a group is just willing to witness you how wonderful is that to not have to do it alone and to get outside your own looping obsessive thinking and to be able to verbalize it and speak it aloud and and notice what's coming up uh, as you do that process so yeah, i could say a lot more about that but that's um that's a, that's the gift yeah
2: i have to say that even just when you first mentioned um i'll have to ask you to to what the name of the that group and that circle is but uh just the the description when you said what a person has 2 hours to get up and say whatever it is they need to say no one makes eye contact maybe and it i just noticed a physical reaction in myself just on your description of that just being like ooh uh, a my own self just a resistance a part of myself that just resisted that whole (laughs) that whole notion like oh god like what would happen in that that two hours what what would come up that to to be confronted that that just um yeah puts up some resistances and 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 fears uh maybe you can comment a little bit on what you've sort of seen and and your own experiences with that
0: My own experience has been that, you know, I have a lot of suppressed, repressed, even even just questions that I'm holding, but I don't dare ask them to myself because if I ask them, I'll have to respond to them. And in this type of uh, opportunity, um, those questions are under pressure. You know, that's one thing I have gained confidence in over the years is that Uh, the soul is persistent. It, our, our own truth telling is, 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 uh, irrepressible once, but if you distract yourself, numb out, escape, you can delay it. You can, you know, I always say denial got me this far, so, you know, (laughs) (laughs) denial with a nice mix of avoidance, you know? So, but to, but to actually, then you're right to actually confront oneself uh to meet oneself at the door as a stranger and to say what well, what do you have to tell me uh there has to be i think a level of readiness for that it helps to have you know a major fuck up like it helps to have your life in a bit of disarray <laughs> so that you have kind of nowhere else to go you know that's a lot of um a lot of us a journey through recovery and addiction you know that there's a definitely an opening when you're really bottomed out, you know, and your relationships have failed or, you know, those, those make us more open, I think in those moments. Uh, but at, at any moment in time, I'm learning, you know, there's always the opportunity to peel the onion, to ask, um, what questions today am I holding? Cause they're not the questions from yesterday they're always fresh. They're always, it's always working in us all the time. Yeah. And then just giving it a little bit of an opportunity with a good practice, with a safe space, with raising the probabilities because we're disciplining ourselves and we're holding some boundaries, then it, then it creates an opportunity. But yeah, it's terrifying.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah something I really like about what's, I mean, there's a bunch of areas that I'd love to go, but one in particular that I really like is um, I like the idea of having your spirit or your, your soul, if you want to call it that yourself as a, as an authority, like in your own life, like letting it um, guide you, you know, Um, like something I uh, just to kind of give you a reference point. There's a, a group of people that I teach and um, one of the things that, uh, that I'll do a lot of work on is breaking the authority mold. I studied a lot of social psychology when I was in university and that, and I found it fascinating that we're so conditioned to listen to authority. And, um, we don't, we don't even understand why a rules there. We just go, well, don't do that. You know, it's bad. And they, you, well, you ask someone, well, why, why don't you do it? It's cause I'll get in trouble. And it's like, but that's not the reason. Like if you really, if we really get down to it, you probably do it or don't do it for more, but you maybe never looked at that. And maybe if you did go down into it, maybe you might find out. And then what ends up happening is you become the authority of following the rule as opposed to, I don't want to get in trouble from the police officer, the teacher, the, you know, whoever. Um, but I find this, this idea of giving someone a question to help them Cause they got to do it themselves. That's something that I've been learning more and more as I get older. It's just like, don't try to give it to them, you know, let them, let them get it. But you know, at the same time, um, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting because I think the, the way you're asking questions by looking at them as a gift, you're even removing yourself as an authority, which I, which I'm finding, like, that's an important part of the process. Um. And maybe I haven't really done it that way, but this is an interesting approach because that's, that's part of the problem. When you're the person asking the question, sometimes people think of you as the authority because they're like, oh, well, you gave me the question to, you know, and you kind of, I think as a good mentor or teacher, you want, you don't want that. You want your student or your mentee to like, to be the authority. Because if you're gone and they need you, then you just created a, a dependent relationship that's actually not really strong for them right
0: that's right
1: Um, yeah so i mean i my roundabout thing is does this is this something that you've you've thought about is this just kind of a byproduct or like with the authority relationship to um removing the just being detached and also by looking at it as a gift is is that something that's related to this whole thing for you
0: that's yeah It, that's core. I mean, what you're what you're naming there, Brandon, is the foundation, or I would say the the kind of underlying principle that informs this practice of being together in this way, and that and that comes out of the Quaker understanding of inner authority in Quaker tradition. You would call this the inner teacher, hmm. the inner light, that of God in every person. You know the inner inner wisdom, and by the way, like I you know I I. I'm an Anglican priest. Most of my background has been in theological studies in the Christian tradition and biblical studies. That's my professional training. Uh at this stage, you know, I, I don't know to name this reality because every religious tradition, you know, 7000 languages left, so I know there's 7000 names for this. Uh I'm cool with the Quaker language. I'm cool with the true self, or the the Buddhist language of self with a capital S, you know, the big self that we're all part of. I love the mystical Jewish tradition that talks about the ember off the big fire that burns in every chest, you know, the gate of heaven. I love the depth psychology and more humanistic tradition that talks about integrity and authenticity and the being and human being. So yeah, I, I think what I think another thing you're naming here, Brandon, too, for me is is the the value of integration, and the word integration means to become one integer, to become whole, right? So from that place, when we are not divided, and we're not compartmentalized, and not sort of doing things out of an external uh reward or punishment but we've integrated our ethics our morality into this direct inner authority within us this this guidance that's coming from our own hearts then we respond with creativity and with freedom right we're not we're not looking over our shoulders trying to guess if we're going to get hit for what we're doing or, and we're, or, nor, nor are we, are we sort of seeking it for the payback, you know, for the, um, the payoff usually. So just, just to do it with an, a complete knowledge that this just feels actually right to me, it feels good to me. This feels like this would be fulfilling and meaningful and I want to, I want to live my life this way. I want to be attentive to what feels meaningful, moment by moment, and then just stay in that flow, that sweet spot of knowing, of trusting. Yeah. So yeah, no, I think all and and then to, and then to as a facilitator, you know, my role is to get the process started, create safety in knowing that this is a, this is a trustworthy way of being together. This has embedded wisdom or that was, you know, operationalized over centuries of people being together with a lot of intention and then, and then get out of the way, like guide the process, but don't, I'm not trying to be a guru in the circle. I'm not trying to impose anything on anyone else. In fact, my mentor Parker said, when we guide these circles, we do our work in the circle. We there are there with our vulnerabilities. I'm there with my story. I'm there with my screw-ups. I'm there with my failures and my successes. I'm there struggling with my next set of questions. So, yeah, I'm guiding the process. I'm kind of holding the container, but everybody else is holding the container too, and I'm also participating fully in the process and speaking honestly when I need to and hearing my own voice so that in doing so... Um, Parker says authority has the word author in it, and we grant authority to the person who's actually writing their own script, and taking responsibility for their own story. Oh, I love that. <laughs> so that's what grants us. Otherwise, it's just power. Yeah, that, it's power over, right? Oh yeah. yeah. That's that
1: is so good. Uh, that is great. Yeah. I mean, that's that's so much about what Evan and I have been trying to get down to. I mean, with all these talks, really, is like the author of your own story. I mean, way of the artist, right? Like that's it's right. it's. It's an interesting, it's an interesting thing because also story as is, is wonderful and beautiful as it can be, you can become attached to that and then identify with that and that can become your ego. And so, um, just like one of the big messages that I always try to impart on everybody is just whatever, like, whatever the way that you feel like you've got this sense of way, like go that way. And it might be wrong, quote unquote, right? It might lead you somewhere you, you never want to be, but that like, by letting that lead you, at least you got yourself there, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to like someone told you go do this or go do that, like, you know, like your parents or your teachers or whoever. And it's like, if you do that your whole life, you're always gonna be looking at the next person to tell you which way to go. So go the wrong way, your own way. <laughs> which isn't the wrong way. It's absolutely the right way because that's, right. you know, yeah. so that's a very interesting uh, mm-hmm. and beautiful perspective. I, I really
0: like that. And, and your comments right now, Brendan, too, about, you know, in, inherited uh, operating systems and, you know, this um, sense of loyalty and obligation to external guidance and reliance on that. The best way I can describe that is in metaphor, a metaphor, kind of a soulful metaphor. So I would describe it this way: that when I'm really caught up in a way of being, like I, I was raised, I was raised in a, a very devout a fundamentalist um, evangelical Christian community, and in that community, they believed the Bible, you know, literally. It it was right there, black and white. You had a set of disciplines that you followed. It was very limited on sort of how you could participate in the world and worldly things and secular things. You had to keep yourself holy and pure and sanctified. It was a very serious, uh, earnest religious tradition I grew up in, and it was a map. It was a very clear map. But there came a point at my uh, as I became an adult and struggled in that community to find my own integrity, uh, I came to a point of realizing that I, I, I was off the map. <laughs> Somehow I got off the map and that the map didn't apply anymore where I was and that I needed a different set of skills. So this is uh, one of the reasons why I've been spending time with the Polynesian voyaging community and the Hawaiian Islands and made trips out there and spent time with them. I'm learning from the, the navigators in that tradition. and they've taught me that there's a way of of wayfinding in which you're just a deck level. You're not operating with the map. You're just responsive to the feel of the ocean. You're interpreting the waves as they come to you. You're holding a vision of the island and you're not even moving. The boat is stationary and you're conjuring and manifesting up the island that you envision and you bring it to you and at the same time as you're alive to your senses and you're aware of holding all of this you're deeply tethered to where you left so you're connected to home and never break that tether and you're holding all of this just with pure attentiveness and for a 100 generations a group of people found every inhabitable island in the Pacific Ocean without a map or a chart or a magnetic compass. So I take that story and I think, okay, so I'm wayfinding now. Like I'm really am. I'm mean, even this conversation with you guys. I don't have anything in front of me. I'm not reading anything. You're not reading anything. You know, three of us are wayfinding and we're and we're, we're creating wave fields as we're talking. You know, we're and we're both all of us are picking up our own histories, we're picking up our own personhood even our genetics are at play and our brain waves and sound waves you're hearing from my voice, it's all waves. So we are on the deck of our catamarans, all of us holding a vision of where we want to go, all trying to find our way. And when I can free another person up to do that type of navigating, rather than living in fear with this projected map and always wrapped up in sort of linear travel and reducing everything down and losing a dimension. I I don't know. I just think there's so much in that uh, traditional teaching that I I know, like I, I, it's deep memory in me. It's embedded in me as a creature on this planet. I recognize what is going on because this is actually as hunter gatherers. This is actually more of our evolution, much more of our history than this modern period where we've had to acquire all these other technological tools, skills, and maps and projections, but I know we can get deeper into that too. I mean, we get into the, what, how we've been socialized. This is part of the violence. This is part of the distortion. And I think part of the healing and work forward. And no matter what tradition you're I mean, my, my, all my yoga friends uh, and my, my own yoga practice is all about this, you know, we're we're rediscovering something we kind of know. And, and yet it, it, it takes us having to set aside a whole bunch of other ways of, of, of reliance on old systems that just don't serve us anymore,
2: Yeah. Oh man, it's, where, where do we go from here? <laughs> There's just, un, just like Pandora's box opened. Um,
0: well, I mean, you guys, you guys, this is the, this is, you guys are, you guys are dealing with this on so many of it. Cause I listened to a couple of your shows that, you know, the, the whole creative process is all about this, right? It's all about this. It's all about, giving expression at deck level to what you're actually experiencing. As opposed, you can create stuff that's just mapping, you know, just just putting it out for a commission yeah. because it's, you know, been asked of you, whatever, but, or you can really trust yourself, really trust what's coming up. And it could make no sense to anyone else. Like you're saying, Brandon, be inexplainable to anyone else, but it's, somehow authentic somehow it is the real so it is the island that you hold in your imagination right yeah and you're manifesting it bringing it to you conjuring it up yeah all the time and,
2: and that and that thing as well there's a quality to that thing as well you know um that that yeah it's a hard thing to define and like like you were somewhat commenting on before it's it's maybe an aspect of ourselves that um, refuses to be defined um, a, a, an author who you know I've only read one of his books, but um, uh, James Hillman I don't mm-hmm. know if you're familiar with James Hillman. I'm more so familiar with Thomas Moore who was sort of yeah. James Hillman's mentor, but uh, James Hillman <laughs> he I, I thought he brought up a, a really interesting in one of his books where... He was talking about, you know, in all of these biographies that have been written about sort of great people and people who became famous or, you know, who were who are tremendous artists or or what have you. And there are stories in their biography that when people have gone to fact-check them, they're like, Well, how is this like, this isn't true? This didn't actually happen. But they they would tell this story as if this was actually what happened. And Hillman describe that as the soul refusing to be pinned down you know refusing to be you know put into this little box that our society likes to put people in it's like okay yes we understand you but you know for them there was a real reality to the story that that they shared and put in that biography that in some way that that falsity that that myth that they created around themselves is more real than their actual <laughs> life was <laughs> yeah yeah i just want to to comment on that and i also want to comment mm-hmm. on you know it, that there's a recurring theme in so many of the stories that that we tell in the history of sort of human humankind the story of leaving and i thought that you know, when you were talking about, um, having to find your own way out of the the tradition and and the faith that you, you came from, which is something that I, I can definitely relate to in many ways, but, um, that in many of the stories in many different traditions, there's a continual theme of leaving. There's a continual story of you must leave this place that you know, you must leave these people that you know, um, where am I trying to go with this? I think that what you're doing in your life there's I'm sure that there's a lot uh, there's a lot that come comes with that in in holding the kind of spaces that that you do um, a lot of pressure and as well as trying to fight off being the sage on the stage kind of thing in in mm-hmm. in that way um, how? How have you allowed yourself to to do what you do?
0: Uh, People are just so beautiful. Like, so that's, that keeps attracting me and drawing me back in the mystery, my own mystery, my own bafflement complete balance in some days, you know, the, and, and then, uh, a growing, you know, just a very deep abiding confidence now that people want, people want to find their way that people really do given an opportunity. And just some gentle, you know, just gentle, the encouragement of a a really open invitation that they they want to do their own soul work, they want to do their own exploration, they want to put on the scuba tanks, go over the side of the boat, go down to the wreckage, see what's down there, look around, come back up maybe with something of value. Talk to us in the dive boat about what go and put another tank on, go back down. Like we want to know what's down there. We want to understand in this ruin of my life. You know there are so many great things to discover, and then and then just in the present moment, just to become fully alive to what I'm experiencing, sensing. So I yeah, it just keeps it keeps drawing me back. And I, it was uh, seven years ago that I just decided that I love doing this enough that I just put myself out there to the universe and. Um, see what happens sometimes people ask me what do you do for a living I said I'm I'm just a dude that shows up like and guides the process that's pretty much it these days you know I just want to create a higher probability for others and myself that we can live an authentic life and little less divided and gain some light you know, on the path, and be able to understand a bit more about what we really want, and and to hear that, and to hear that, and to hear that arise from within ourselves. With the, it's not that it's not being forced on us by anyone, so that we we really gain this incredible freedom. You know, an opportunity. So yeah, that's what, that's what keeps me showing up yeah and I'll, I'll say something <laughs> the, the thing about the, sort of the guru or the sage on stage and all that stuff the teacher there's a great um, I love listening to Alan Watts who <laughs> a remarkable spiritual teacher and and he has this great lecture where he's, it's it's about the guru and he says, you know, if you need a guru, you really do need a guru like you you go go get one because if you need one, you need one. Like if you need that type of external authority, if you need someone to tell you what to do, if you need someone, go get a guru. He said, "But if you don't need a guru, <laughs> don't get a guru. Don't get one because they will break your heart. They it will it will not end well. Like it, and it will not serve you. So yeah. just decide, you know. And uh, I find you know through the law of attraction or maybe just through the nature of the work or. What shows up? I think a lot of us stumble into these circles because we're kind of done with the guru and now we're asking who's, who is the inner guru? Who is the inner teacher? Who is the voice? What is this wild primal elemental Dan? You know, the wild guy. What would if, what would if I got quiet enough and was, were, were able to just sit by a tree, breathe with the earth, be open to what, and what if that wild Dan wanted to show up and to whisper something in my ear? You know, what would I hear?
2: You um, you you brought in a name that is probably the most often cited person that <laughs> that we have on this show. We're big, it. we're big Alan fans around here. I'm I'm currently, <laughs> I, I'm actually in, currently in and in the last sort of third of um the wisdom of insecurity mm. right now by Alan Watts. So, okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah no we're we're fans around here so
0: yeah he's he's hanging around
2: <laughs> you know he's for, got
0: he's got some good stuff he's got the goods yeah for sure he's yeah he's an amazing, well, amazing I, teacher
2: well I mean I he's just someone I always come back to like I mm-hmm. I will go and I'll listen and read to a lot of other people but then there's just something about Alan come back to him and it's and it's great seeing all kinds of people doing things like you know they these chill step mixes. I don't know if you ever heard these before. People put like this sort of music, you got Alan Watts or sometimes Ram Dass or, you know, it's like, you get this little music, a little blurb from them and then music for a little while. And you can just sort of sit with it and and let it, let let it percolate. So they're, it, they're more relevant than, than I think ever. I mean, Mm. right now where we're just having such, I think that we're having such a, a crisis, but also, um, you know, it's also, I guess, a confrontation as well. To bring that word back into it, a confrontation with ourselves and and with how we've been going about things right now, um, because people are tuning in to people like Alan Watts because there's so it's so hard to make sense of things mm-hmm. these days. Um, it's so hard to know who to who who to trust and who to who can give us some sort of, um, not necessarily like the wisdom and the guidance necessarily, but, but just someone who, who speaks in a way that, that hits us, at least for my, maybe I'll just speak for myself, but I listen to Alan Watts, you know, giving a lecture, and I just feel a, there's a deep part of myself where I go, I'm finally hearing somebody who's making some sense. Yeah. yeah you know and it's not necessarily in a in a way that that we that we might normally consider sense making in in today's day and age but there's an aspect of it that that hits something that says oh whew, i can breathe i can breathe here
0: <laughs> they're they're also you know you mentioned ramdas as well there's certain teachers that are just whimsical and you can tell they're not trying to sell anything they're not they're not they're not propaganda, you know, for the product. They're they're just saying, let's suppose something. Let's, 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 let's suspend the normal rules and just see what would happen if we had these rules implied. And what if, you know, what if, (laughs) what if we've just forgotten who we are? What would that be like if we woke up and remembered? And so, you know, they're just, they're just teasing. They're not trying to, and and you can tell too they're they they have authority because they are authoring you can tell they're doing their work they're 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 openly exploring their own journey visibly in front of others, and uh, you can see their wayfinding they're sensing their way and yeah no I there's some amazing uh, thank God yeah and you're right I think we're in a the whole modern experience has been exposing. The fact that it's really fucked up, right? That it's really not working well, and now you know we're even jeopardizing the life systems of the planet itself, and our own civilization project is becoming more fragile, and we're going to cause massive unnecessary suffering uh, that we've already initiated. Uh, so I'm I'm motivated. I guess, as well, in that awareness, although I try not to get into a kind of a paralysis of fear, you know, and 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 stay in a place where even if I'm not optimistic, i'm I'm choosing to hope as an act of defiance because I don't, I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's, it's I don't think it's inevitable, but but, you know, every, moment every day that goes by that we don't get serious about shifting the paradigm and really become awake and alert to a better way of being together and relating to everything around us and all the other living creatures we share this planet with you know that we are going to cause harm that we don't need to cause and yeah and i've struggled this is one area i've really struggled with i've i Got involved in politics quite heavily the last five years, and then ran in a couple of elections. And I've keep wondering, because at one point I really felt that you know my calling was you know one person, one heart, one soul at a time. You know, just show up, Dan. You know, uh, transformative work is beautiful, and you're in a great. And then part of me is like shit, we got to move faster, or we got to make bigger changes, we got to, some of the stuff is policy and legislative, it's, some of us are going to have to get really dirty and messy and and wade into this political mess and uh, take some soul damage to get involved in things that are going we're going to have to make some compromises and negotiate our way in. All right, to use Obama's term, you know, politics is, um, it's, you know, it's the art of the real, like you have to accept a certain amount of and that's you know, it's just it's soul killing. It's so hard, and that's been a question I'm still wondering about for myself, wondering if it still makes sense, because it's such a awful, corrupt, rigged game. It's just brutal. It's really awful. Yeah, and yet it's, I, I you know, had a great conversation this week with an incredible political leader. I just think the world of and who she is and what she's doing. And I think, wow, like I, thank God she's there, like. So uh, I don't know, that's an open, that's an open question for me, that one uh, for myself personally, but I think also uh, so many other people are wondering, you know, how do we, how do we get involved and what do we do?
1: You know, there's, there's a couple sayings that kind of have been spinning around in my head that I heard a lot. One was, uh, one was enough pain and you will change. Hmm. I think that's pretty true of human, human nature. I mean, you just put enough pain into somebody and they'll, they'll start to change, you know, and, and usually it's not enough pain and that's why we don't change. And it's kind of, I mean, this is my opinion. But I feel like across the board, it's usually pain. I mean, usually it's pain that's going to get us to do anything. And the other, um, yeah. the other one was uh, you had purpose before anyone had an opinion. And I feel like opinions Mm. need to become painful. You know, your opinions of you opinions of how this works, you know, that needs to all become painful because, um, you know, and I've shared my story. I won't, (laughs) I won't get into all the details, but like, you know, Evans heard me say it so many times, me and my dad and our relationship, but he had opinions and I had purpose and, his opinions were so painful to me that I chose purpose over his opinion, which Mm -hmm. I think was the right choice at the end of the day. And, um, I think that a lot of time people don't. And when I say purpose, I don't think of it like there's this mountain I want to climb and I'm going to do that. And I'm going to do this big thing. I think of it like you have a calling, you know, Evan called it a calling at one point. Um, but it's like, you have this sense inside of you that you got to go this way, or you got to go do this thing. And that's purpose. That's like, that pull that calling that thing and people's opinions often, I think, take you away from that. And if you get really connected to those things, um, your, your, you know, your purpose, you want to call it that it becomes really painful to try and do it this way to bring this back around. I think with politics and, and, and all this stuff, like we're looking at the world and we're looking at the, the stuff that's happening. And this is my opinion. I think that in some ways things have to go this way. Like they have to go towards the pain until people will go. You gotta stop doing this, and that's what wakes people up. Because um, I feel like the, the, all the cushioning of all of this stuff is part of the problem. You know, people can uh, almost brace themselves for the impact. And I mean, I think it. I think it sucks, but. I think also like, I'm not saying don't do anything, but, but I do think that we, we have to kind of almost encourage people. Um, I use this metaphor a lot in my class, you're on the edge of a cliff, the cliff starts slipping, you get scared cause you feel like you're going to fall, but confidence comes from your ability to know you'll be all right even though the cliff is slipping, that you'll know what to do, that you'll know where to put your foot to hang on to the cliff. And I feel like people need to build that in themselves and they got to slip on the cliff to kind of like do that, you know? And if they keep saying, Oh no, I don't want to walk the cliff and they keep being hesitant. You never build that ability and that confidence to actually, um, you know, go anywhere. Right. Because it's like, I don't know if that's like too, too many metaphors. Too many no, no, that's no, no, great. That's
0: yeah, great, Brandon. Yeah, that's <laughs> great. And it reminds reminds me too of uh, of a question I keep coming back to for myself, which is the question around how do I, you know, how do I stand here now with purpose? And I know two things for sure that I I have a tendency when I'm exposed to too much of the news, too much of the really horrendous possibilities. And, and, and realities, and and when I see the injustice, and when I'm really exposed to the grief of the world itself, and I feel that like grief inside me, when I have too much of that, it, it it is corrosive to my own heart, and it paralyzes me, and locks me down, and it it immobilizes me. Too much of it. And I also know that if there's too much escapism like what you're describing, you know, insulation, like trying to fly above the mess, not being open to what's really kind of going on, not having my eyes open to the tragic reality we're living in, then I become irrelevant. Like I really do. I, and compassion dies in me. I, I, I lose the ability to really be compassionate in this moment. And I don't I don't understand my own role in the injustice anymore. So I've got to hold both of these in tension. I got to stand in between them. And I got to allow my heart to keep breaking and grow more expansive. And just stay here, you know, in the in the real I would call it, you know, the the tension between realism and idealism. And I have to stay here all the time. And just constantly renew myself here, and then, and and hopefully find a community that will stand here with me too, and then we can support one another in in remaining true to both of those instead of winging out on either extreme, you know. But it's hard. It's gonna be. It's a difficult, heartbreaking place to stay.
2: Hmm. Hmm. I think it. It. There's. For me, sometimes I have to remind myself that, like there are there are you know not to take it all on you know because it's it's um rather than becoming insulated as if you know as well as as arrogant to think as you know I'm the only one who's thinking about these things (laughs) I'm the only one who's concerned about these things that there are people all over the place doing things in ways that you know uh I don't understand you know a, a, a quote that I've always remembered from, Terence uh, Terrence McKenna is, um, is, was, uh, worry. You don't know enough to worry. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that, that pops in there in, in, in challenging moments, but no, I mean, it, it, it is uh, an interesting thing that we, I think that all of us confront on at some level. And we actually recently talked about this in a podcast where, you know, how do we find this thing of, of being informed, but not allowing that, that being informed about everything to, mm-hmm. to drive us kind of crazy and to, to corrode us. Because the, the problem with information is that there's an endless supply of it. Yeah. Um, and then there's an endless supply of what those, what that information means, you know, and that's another kind of information on top of information. And, and it's, it, it can, it, it can create that paralysis. And where do we, you know, what, what battles, so to speak, do we, do we pick, you know, yeah. what direction do we, do we go? Um, yeah, I, I'm not. Well, I, I, you,
0: you got, I mean, I love because you guys are doing it. You guys have, you guys have created this forum, this opportunity, right. To have amazing leaders show up here to ponder what's possible and right now people are listening to us, you know, and my, my prayer before I started this podcast was, you know, whoever hears this may it activate some kind of healing in their life, may it activate a possibility they didn't know existed, may it give them a new insight they didn't have before. Right. And you guys are doing this hundreds and hundreds of times, putting this out there and you don't, you have no idea the ripples or where it goes or what it does, but you know, you're found you found one thing that contributes to the wellness of the whole community, right? And, and what you wanted to bring in, as well as what you're gaining from it, but, but you're giving it as a gift. And I, there's a wonderful prayer from the Archbishop Oscar Romero, who was um, assassinated in El Salvador. And he said, I'm not the architect of this building. You know, I'm the subcontractor. So I'm just, you know, my job is to pound these nails or weld this pipe together. So because I have one task, I'm going to do it really well. And then, you know, I'll trust the rest of the building to get built. And I don't even understand what what the building's going to look like, but I know this is what I'm being asked to do. And I remind myself of that prayer all the time. That okay, I can pound these nails in, and I'm going to pound them in really well, and I make sure they're in the right spot. And then that's my job, right? So right now, you know, I'm the dude that shows up. I'm going to facilitate these circles, guide these people in a process. That's what I'm doing. Or I'm going to, you know, help out in this political cause that makes sense in this moment. And then and then I'll trust the rest, right? Because I, I can just do I do let I just want to do one thing and do it well. That's enough. Yeah.
1: There's um, there's a question that always pops up for me um all the time and it's like a higher self question for me it's not an ego thing I know that because (laughs) I spent a lot of time with it but it's just this this like don't you want to be great and it's not like don't you want to be great like you know as a person it's like don't you want to like do this really really fucking well you know don't don't you want to just like like do this and and just do it incredibly well and and um I think that um, what you said kind of spurred on that thought, but, but I do think that a lot of what what each person's role is, is like that. We're like subcontractors of everything we do and just just do that really, really well. Not because it gets you something, not because it makes you into something, but because mm. if you're going to do it, just do it well. And it can be anything. I mean, like put on your pants really, really well. And, and, and it sounds ridiculous when you break it down into small things, but- Small things I think are the building blocks of doing great big things really well. You do a lot of real little things. You do them extremely well. And, um, you know, like for example, I'm working uh, a couple of years ago, I took on a Joe job, you know, driving forklifts, doing all this like uh, blue collar stuff. And I, I love it. I actually I've been an artist my whole life and it's a lot of fun, but, um, I'm getting promoted like just really quickly and moving up the line, but the, it's simple. It's just like, whatever you guys make me do, or whatever you say, do this, I'm just going to do it really, really well. Because I get a lot, I get one thing is that's like, I like this job so much now because Mm -hmm. of that, that they don't even really have to pay me. (laughs) It's actually fun. But then they, they give me raise and then they promote me. And I'm like, I'm not even looking for that. And I found that, um, It's that higher self question. It's like, don't you want to be great? Don't you want to do this? Like, don't you want to find out what doing this the best way it could be done? Not that you're the best, but the best way it could be done. Don't you want to find out what that is? And that kind of drive gives me a tremendous amount of fulfillment. It's making the company money. And then in a weird kind of roundabout way, you know, I get the benefits, but I'm honestly not doing it for the benefit. And I find that it, that like, it's been, this job has been a real model for a lot of the stuff that we're talking about. It's like, Mm -hmm. whatever it's given me kind of a practical way to look at life in that you just, just really apply yourself 100% to do that thing really, really well. And, and the, the, the next, uh, part of the path, the next option will show up for you, Mm -hmm. you know, and, then you do that really well and and you don't have to worry so much about like trying to get somewhere, you know, because it's self-evident in doing it well. But if you do it half-ass and I, I will shut up in a second, but if you do it half-ass <laughs> you don't know where the next part of the path leads because you're, you're kind of meandering on that portion, you know, you're not really doing it. So if you just do that portion fully, then you're going to find out what the next portion is because you might just find out that this portion doesn't work and it makes you go somewhere else. But either way, by doing it 100%, you'll know. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, at least 2,500 years ago, we know in written form, uh, Taoist stories were talking about this. There's a f- famous story from Chuangzi about an archer. And it says he says if if the archer is aware of the prize in the archery contest, they'll miss the target. But if they are one with the bow, one with the arrow, mm. one with their breath, then they will hit the target. Another story tells us of a woodcarver who's given a commission to to, to make a bell stand to carve it. And he says, I, I, and everyone's amazed at it and they think it's the work of spirits. And he says, no, no, I'm just a tradesman. It's no big deal, man. And he says, But, uh, but I did fast for seven days when I got this commission because I had to overcome fear. I had to forget about the commission. I had to forget that I was doing this task at all. I even had to forget about my body and its limbs. I had to forget about praise and criticism. I had to forget about my ego. I had to forget about anything that would get in the way of the bell stand. So I could collect myself in a single thought. Then I went out to the forest and I found a tree. And if I had not found this tree, there would be no bell stand. And, but in this living encounter, I, I experienced the bell stand and then I'm a tradesman, no big deal. I can carve. So I, then the bell stand appeared. He said, that's, that's it. There's no secret. There's no mystery. I just collected my thought and I went and did my task. Right. Yeah. that's exactly what you're describing. It's just, it's just, it's just, uh, to do the work before the work, I think is important. That's what the story tells me, both the archer and the woodcarver to be in a place in which we've, uh, have become present, you know, and attentive. And then, and then in the process also forgot about ourselves on some level, and certainly have set aside all of the other motivations than to just be in that sweet spot of flow, right? And then it just happens. Yeah, that's a paradox. It's a incredible paradox that our ambition and fear and, and desperation actually prevent us from accomplishing the things when we're always taught that that's what that drive and ambition should do, you know? But it's not. It's the, the real deep wisdom is that when we let go, and we just, we just, we just trust and, and we, and we put ourselves, like you said, we put ourselves fully into the moment. Yeah. Then, you know, if there is anything that, that is beautiful or incredible, it will come out of that because it's, a, because it's coming from our authentic self from this reality of who we are and, and anyone who sees it, will recognize it right away. It's so different than when things are done for other motives. Yeah.
2: Oh yeah. Uh, I'm everything we're talking about is just uh, it's 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 hitting me in all the right places you know like it's I mean part of um you know as you know I teach actors and non-actors but I take them through a a particular process and and it's so much about everything that you're saying you know like uh, when I came across this process which is called Meisner in the acting world but (laughs) um it's so much about that and when i took this training it was late in my actor training and i realized it's like i think i was taught how to act backwards because this is what i probably needed at the beginning because you begin this process and it removes any idea of this is this is going somewhere you know and it's really about can we just get two people on a stage in front of each other and and just you as who you are And get you really, truly involved completely with that other person and with what's happening and the truth of what that thing is that's happening. And then once we once we get there and and past any, you know, my teacher had said, like, the the need to, to be interesting works against you. (laughs) <laughs> which is a big thing for actors because of course they want to be great they want to do terrific performances and and be interesting and it's one of the first things that we have to confront in 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 the training is that like that need to be interesting is what's working against you it's precisely the thing that's making you uninteresting to watch you know and and it just kind of like the layers of the onion we just peel back and peel back and peel back until people get into at least somewhat of a space where they go oh I can trust myself to just be <laughs> I can trust myself to be here and respond mm-hmm. to whatever's happening and that that's enough and the beautiful byproduct is is that there's this beautiful live acting that's happening in front of an audience and we're just like I don't know what's gonna happen but I'm captivated so um I just wanted to share that because it's it's um it's just ignited something in me and 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 reminded me of of why I love doing what I do as well. So thank you for that.
0: Yeah. It's well it speaks to me as well as how much we love the real. You know? Yeah it's, what's wrong it's with so it's happening? so damn it's just so entrancing, so attractive. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's it just it, it affects us. We just we 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 recognize it you know, right away and it pulls us in and when it's contrived and forced and, you know, it's coming from a whole other place of ego, it just, it gets blocked that, that magic or that healing grace gets stymied somehow. Yeah. Okay. Brandon. um,
1: You know, uh, the <laughs> man. Okay. The ego, right. The, this whole like mm-hmm. idea of your, of your identity and all of that. Like, I, I feel like that's, that's a big hurdle that a lot of us, especially in the Western culture. I mean, in particular, like one of the, you know, in North America, like, you know, I think it's becoming one of the most narcissistically divided and driven you know cultures right and it's 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 becoming evident that people are self identifying as something too much and if you look at like um depression and all that stuff there's there's got to be a uh, it's got to be a parallel to that right it's like when you spend so much time thinking about yourself and thinking about who am i and what do i what do i look like how do people like me all of that stuff you, you lose the whole idea of like what it is to be to be, you know. And um like I was bullied a lot when I was in high school and you know and I I think I sp- I had lower self-esteem. I spent a lot of time thinking like, you know, wanting to be liked and wanting to be accepted. And then as I got out of high school and I kind of got out of my own I kind of made a decision that I was like, okay, that's not working. So mm-hmm. we got to change it up. And I was like, I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do the thing. And my life kind of flipped and i found that by like be like by just being that all those things that i thought i was trying to get they came but without me trying because when i wasn't trying to be something i was just being it was like that was that was magnetic for people you know what i mean and i think like something that's interesting about this conversation and even like with the questions it's like when you're asking a question are you trying to ask it to reinforce your own ego or are you asking it to let it be asked you know like to let to let that question be asked because it needs to be asked because for some reason you know that you don't even need to know you know it's like uh like um when i think of the i'm um, uh, kind of, I feel like it's such a hard thing to describe sometimes, but I feel like we spend too much time trying to define what something is or what it needs to be Mm -hmm. or where we need to go. It's like, maybe you go, I want to go to the top of that mountain and maybe you do, but like, maybe the path isn't direct. Maybe it's an indirect journey and most likely it is, but I think like we have this way of looking at life where it's like, I'm here and that's where I want to go. And if I can't go this way, then there's something wrong with me. And it's like, it's nothing wrong with you. It's just like, this is not the way up the mountain. Like, it's not a straight line, you know? And like, by being, you end up finding your way up the mountain, but by trying to be the mountain climber that like does the thing, you can't do it because it's not done that way. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if this is even clear. Well, I mean, I'm hearing sort of like the,
2: the, the difference between the idea of something as opposed to the something.
1: Yeah. Like, like, look at your, um, your acting, right? Like with, with Meisner and all that. Meisner is very much like you're in the moment and you're present and you're going to let that moment guide you to the next moment. And then through that, you, you end up at the end of the scene or wherever. And it's, it's perfect because it found your way there. But when you try to go, this is how the scene's done. And I cry here and I laugh there. It's like, that's the very linear trying to make it something, you know, as opposed to just be in the scene at the moment. And then you're in the next moment, right? Like, but I feel like, um, narcissism makes us think that like, I'm better than just allowing this to happen. You know what I mean? Like I'm more than it somehow. And it's like, you're not, and then you try to be interesting. It's like, you're trying to be more interesting. Than actually being interesting, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, just Mm -hmm. like be, and then it happens. Yeah. You know.
0: Yeah, and spiritual spiritual teachings. There's, it's described differently in different traditions, but the overall idea is that there's the there's sort of a socialized self, a persona, not the person, the persona, or in Christian monastic terms, you know, would be described as the false self. And the problem with that self is that it's not real. So therefore it requires a huge amount of energy. I, I always describe it as kind of a leaky tire. You know, it takes a lot of pumping. It takes a lot of pumping to keep it inflated. And it's always leaking out, always leaking out. Cause it's so threatened. It's so afraid because it knows it's not real. It knows. It's just a projection. Yeah. Yeah. You have to. I think you have to get to a place where you're so sick of it, <laughs> like I think so, so too. Yeah, so fatigued by having to be that person and see the falsity, and just to see. And it's not that you know. I, I, I'm really careful here. My false self is not bad. My false self yeah. is just false. And so there are places I've learned along the way when my persona is actually what's required in the moment, because it is a performance. Because it is a moment. There have been times in my life when I've been um, pretty gentle, and accepting of the fact that I, 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 in that moment, it made, I think about politics and, 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 and at times as well, there are moments when the game is played a certain way, you know, and you're performing it according to the rules of the game. And then there's this wonderful growing invitation, no matter what the circumstance, to set aside that false self and become more authentic, more true in every circumstance. Right. Until eventually I'm not there, but until eventually I can just show up as who I am everywhere I go, you know, and just trust. Yeah. One of the things I I did when I was running for politics is I started every political talk or any invitation I got with poetry, just because for me, it was a way of doing something that was not, not done. And yet what it allowed me to do is bring something real into the room. And then also then I could speak to the poem and then I could speak soulfully about what was going on instead of just launching into my five points or my, what the party handed me or whatever else I would, you know, the propaganda, but just to be able to speak directly to everybody uh, who could hear me and the poetic voice grounded me it gave me a connection to my true true authentic self that i needed to have to begin with otherwise it was too hard for me i got too lost sometimes because i would want to launch into blame somebody or you know all that stuff yeah the other rule that really helped me a lot was never to name another political leader ever so never personalize anything and make it into blame but to simply talk about okay this is where we are. Where do we want to go? You know, how we got here at this point, is it really relevant? I don't think so. The fact we're here, the fact this is the facts in front of us, this is a situation, that's important to understand. And then, you know, what's the social vision? What what is what is the possibilities here? What creatively could we do and respond to now? Yeah. And that that I can speak from that from my true self. But if I got, you know, the whole other game is all from the false self. It's all from the persona. Yeah. But you're right, Brandon. It's so, it's so tiring, man. It is so tiring to live one's life from this place of.
1: uh, Yeah, it's tiring and it's, it's hard to, it's hard to keep up. I know it's, it's hard to like, I mean, I'm not saying I haven't done it. <laughs> it's, it's hard to keep the act up.
0: Oh, and it's, it's so competitive. It's so competitive too. And it's all wrapped up in that in, of, of who's better at what and, and, and then inadequacy, right? Because I, I can't do it as well as this other person. therefore I shouldn't be doing it at all because you know, yeah, they're, which they're is inevitable.
1: You're inevitably mm-hmm. going to run into that. Like yep. it's, 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 it's That's written right. in that story that yeah. you're going to mm-hmm. find someone who's better, richer, Prettier, whatever the heck it is that you're comparing yourself with, smarter, funny, or more confident. It's like, yeah, and and if you can just <laughs> stop playing that game, yeah. you
0: know. Yeah, and in in these compostable decomposing bodies. Yeah. <laughs> um, this. Oh man, there's so much I want to say,
1: and I know we're probably yeah. running a running. Yeah, I know. I
0: was looking at that. I was wondering how long you guys want to keep going. I'm, okay, I'm, I got to
1: say this one thing. I just have okay. to say it. Okay. <laughs> um. Um. I was listening to this talk, and I I don't know who said it it was like one of my random social feed things but it, it landed with me and, and the guy was pointing out he's like um you know it's something about like fear and resistance and all that but he was like you're gonna die mm-hmm. and the people who know who you are are gonna die <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the people who knew who you were through those people are gonna die and eventually whoever you are is gonna be forgotten so whatever it is that you're scared of or resisting or whatever, it's all, it's all going to be gone. Like it's, yeah. it's, none of this matters that way, but if it doesn't mean that you can't have a legacy, it doesn't mean you can't have an impact. It's like he kind of didn't really go into this as much, but like the impacts you make will still last beyond whoever you were. And so that's why it so doesn't matter who you are as a, persona or a false self like the whole idea that that even matters and we we try to make that into like this big thing is like it, it's all going to be that's all going to be gone but what you do how you are the influence that you have on other people they're going to carry that and they might not never know it came from you but it's going to get carried and that's like to me that's legacy that's that is the 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 vein or the you know the, the the part of you that carries on indefinitely you know it's like um so if you stop worrying about trying to be remembered trying to be important all this other stuff and you just focus on like living a life that makes a makes you kind of feel fulfilled and through that inspires fulfillment or whatever in other people it's like that's gonna live on and yeah. and and
0: mm-hmm. And 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 I wonder if even on a, a deeper level, it's just the glory of being alive at all. You know that this tri- these trillion cells, <laughs> you know, uh, most of them aren't even me. You know, there are other bacteria and 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 all these complex systems and and then the relationship, the conversation we're having now, like just the. The, the whole mystery of it all. And just to be alive to that, you know, and to be aware of, of uh, cause I don't think the true self really worries too much about effectiveness. <laughs> so at this point at 55, my question is not about effectiveness or outcomes. My question now is about faithfulness. Who and to what am I faithful? And that's the measure. And then, you know, it's interesting. If we make effectiveness the criteria for our decisions, we will always aim for smaller and smaller things because those are the only things we can control. Mm, mm. If faithfulness is the criteria for my actions, then I'm wide open. And actually, I'll be a glorious disaster sometimes because it doesn't matter, right? Because I just want, I'm just doing what's true, not what's effective.
1: Yeah well cheers to that cheers yeah. to that oh man. that's a that's a good
2: yeah, yeah. good segue um i wow. I, I, I don't nice. see a drink from from you there dan
0: no um, no no but... i actually i stayed with coffee tonight guys all so right yeah
2: that's guys, that's, yeah, that's yeah, totally yeah. fine
0: no it's good i figured i figured i needed to stay frosty and clear <laughs> <laughs> rather than hazy and uh, and a bit foggy which is normally what happens when i get into the brew so anyway, right yeah okay
2: well, um, I'm just, uh, and again, this is like we're we're not sponsored by these these uh, these people at all. It's just part of where how the podcast kind of happened uh, originally. It was conversations over a, over a beer, yeah, and yeah. Uh, keeping the tradition yeah. going in that respect. Can I, so- can
0: I can I offer how people can find me if they want to be in contact and. Oh, oh yeah.
2: absolutely. We're going to have we got time for that. Oh, you like, got, and we you still got, got right, we got a,
0: we got a round of questions still got coming up. Questions okay. and yeah, we're going to give okay. you
2: you're going to get your shot to to let people no, know. No, it's good. More I didn't know if you're we
0: wrapping up right now. This is a good in okay, case so we get the Yeah. We get, we're just okay, doing the, the little beer thing and then coming up. Right. Exactly. Yeah, gotcha. Get
2: yourself ready. Um okay. <laughs> so I'm drinking um, a peach and apricot half of ice from Russell Brewing. And, uh, maybe it's just cause, uh, I, I just feel just that little taste of spring in the air mm. that it's like the peach and apricot just was, uh, was calling to me. So it's been good. I've been enjoying it. How about you, Brandon?
1: Nice. I, uh, so today is Hoyne Brewing Co. And, uh, this beer is a pale ale it's called Down Easy. Down I don't know if you ever had this one Oh, you like that. Nice. But, uh, no, it's, it's tasty beer. It's a good pale ale. I... I give it my Brando recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> Terrific. Yeah. All right. Dan, um, are you, re- are you, you ready? You ask for- first,
2: Evan. All right. Start it off. Uh, question number one, Dan. What is the most important book you've ever read?
0: Uh, say... Uh, the gospel of Mark. I mean, Jesus, Jesus is still my brother, friends, uh, guide, model, um, bane, frustration, bewilderments. But ever since I read the gospels as a kid and, uh, I'd settle on the gospel of Mark or it's the most action kind of action Jackson stuff going on in that it's had the largest impact in my life by far, you know? And uh, I, yeah, for me, it's always been uh, Jesus. I know that this inspiration comes by many names in all religions, but just for me, it's, that's, that's been, I can't, nothing comes close to it. It's still the the guide that I, you know, that, that I, I rely on the most is this young charismatic rabbi who, didn't really understand exactly what was happening to him most of the time, but he was, he was, all these things were describing. He was trying to live this authentic life and calling others to it. So.
1: Nice. All right. What film has made the greatest impact on you?
0: I'd say it's the matrix trilogy, you know, this, this, It's really placed a splinter in my, my brain when I first saw it. I think it gave me a a metaphor for how I felt at times, the questions I wondered about which pill did I want to take, you know, and, uh, yeah, just some ongoing questions that I'm holding about what is real. What does it mean to awaken? Yeah what's really happening, you know, it's a bit of a dystopia, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's a huge dystopia. <laughs> <you know? laughs> it's so depressing, but it's, uh, um, yeah, yeah. And it just, I was, and, and it's just, uh, I don't know. On, on a very superficial level. It's just cool. It's just super cool, you know? Yeah. great. Maybe yeah. as a priest, I'm kind of into guys that ran cassocks that have sunglasses and are actually cool. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Cool priest, Neo. Yeah. <laughs> Something. Something's going on there for sure, Brandon. So yeah, I'm not proud of that, but I'll name it. <laughs> <laughs> There's no judgments here. Yeah, a priest with a machine gun. All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
2: what is a song or album that takes you somewhere?
1: Hmm.
0: So many. Wow. Uh, I, I, I think a subtle. Just one that flashed up was it's a album, um, October. It was like the second album. I think you two came out with. And, uh, so I'm about, I don't know, 16, something like that. 15, 16 in my basement room, listening to that album and, uh, uh, it just opened up something for me it just really revealed something to me before that all other music was okay but that that album became somehow more than that yeah
1: where do you think creativity comes from
0: The the no, it just it just comes out of the void. It comes out of the surprising potential potential that's um, there's a wonderful teaching in the Quaker tradition that you know there's there's always uh, the response of, a, of aggression, of fight. There's always a regression of evasion, which is flight, or freeze, self-protection. And they say there's always a third option. There's always a third option. So I'd say the creative is always that third option. It's always the thing that no one has imagined before that's possible, right? Mm.
2: I love that answer. Not that, you know, that matters, but I've just... Felt like I had to say that. <laughs> uh, how do you find inspiration, or where do you find inspiration?
0: Mm. Uh, for me, uh, hiking, walking, being outside, anywhere away from a screen these days, you know, is is helpful. But this, you know. Uh, I don't know. There's different forms of inspiration. You know, what we're doing today together, I've had several just amazing phone calls and zoom calls and um, a live interaction in person today. Thank God, you know, just, it's been, it's a great, it's been a great day of, of old friends, new friends, encounters. So there's a, there's a whole sort of community inspiration there, but when I, but a, but solitude inspiration, like this, being really activated, uh, yeah. I've got to be, I, and more and more too. I, I do have a still meditation practice, but I find it. I'm I'm more gravitating these days to movement. Maybe that's just because of of this, you know, so much screen time, sitting, um, doing my work online now. But uh, yeah, just to, to move my body, to be embodied. Uh, yeah. Silence. Yeah. Outside.
1: I'm really curious about this next question. <laughs> what is one thing you would tell your childhood self?
0: Oh God, chill out, man! Don't be so damn serious. And it's it's <laughs> you're trying too hard, trying too hard to be like righteous and 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 pleasing God and it's uh it's okay man it's okay Dan like you can just you're gonna find out that it's gonna be okay you're gonna find out that it, that you you know that you're it's gonna be wide open you know you're, you're gonna be you're gonna have all sorts of experiences that will break you open so you know why not start now? Why you know why hang out too long in guilt and hmm, I don't know in in any any type of uh, limitation or prison like that. So
2: your final question: hmm. What would your future self? We'll say future self with a big S. (laughs) What would your future self tell you now?
0: Don't be so damn serious. (laughs) (laughs) Be okay. (laughs) All comes (laughs) full (laughs) circle. You still hang hung up on so much stuff, man. you still limited. You still don't get it. You still haven't figured it out, have you? You still... Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. You know, you're just so gloriously lost and fucked up and messed up and it's okay. You know, you're going to be fine. Yeah. Same message. Same message.
1: It's well, a good reminder. it's a good reminder for me. You know, I, uh, yeah. I, I find that yeah. I do that. I, I get too serious sometimes and it's like, mm-hmm. just have some fun, relax. Yeah. It's, it's an incredible, it's an incredible experience, isn't it? I mean, just, Thinking about you know us talking right now, you know it's like isn't this just incredible? Mm-hmm. You know, is it's like yeah, and it's like you don't you don't have to get down to anything. You don't have to get the answer. <laughs> you know, you could just explore, and yeah, maybe yeah. we get a little closer to something,
0: right? And that, and you, you got to stand somewhere. you you know, you'll you'll come up with tentative conclusions. Yeah. And and then those are, those are, those are a place to operate the levers from, right? Like there's enough ground to stand on, but then at the same time you're holding it all lightly too. Like it, so yeah, you, you, like you said, you land in purpose, but you're going to, you're going to let go of the opinions. You don't, you don't have to fight every battle and you don't have to be self-righteous about it all. And you can just be, and open to listen to other people and notice their experience too and take that in. Wow. And then really be open to how that'll change you
1: you just gave me a, a enlightening moment there with what you just said because uh, you took uh, what i said earlier and actually helped me see it in an entirely new way so that was cool, cool. thanks you're welcome mm-hmm. yeah
2: you also just these last few words have have uh, brought to mind a beautiful just huxley quote lightly lightly child i can't mm-hmm. remember the full quote but yeah. it's one that I just need to say that to myself, lightly, lightly, child. And it's just like, oh, right, right, right. <laughs> There's quicksand all around your feet, even though you feel deeply, you know, lightly, lightly. Um. Well, uh, this is usually the point where we kind of wrap things up here, whether anyone wants to say just any sort of last comments on the conversation. And of course, Dan, anything that you want to let the people out there know about yourself as well. Um,
1: you know, this is, this is, this is the time for that. So yeah, why don't we start with you and, and let people know, how do they find you? Um, how do they connect sure. with you? What do, what do they need to know to get further more you more Dan in their right. lives or more access, uh, after this?
0: Yeah. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm wide open on, um, for, for People contact me if they want to just make a, make a connection. My website is my name, Dan Hines, D A N H I N E S dot C A. And, uh, I, I post some of the stuff that I do there. I'm just in the process of revamping all that and, uh, updating all that, uh, active on social media. So you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Yeah. If you want to read more political stuff, although actually Twitter, I've been mostly doing p- p- poetry lately. I haven't actually posted a lot of politics lately. So, um, just been using the, the, uh, discipline of, of what Twitter allows me to, to limit my poetry to, uh, to, if it's, if it sucks, at least it's Twitter short. So. <laughs> Yeah. And I, 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 I just love, uh, love being in contact. So if anyone hears of this episode and they want to, they don't be shy, like don't hesitate to, don't hesitate with anybody. That's, and that's just a little, that's my partying thing. You know, all these people we look up to and we think, Oh God, you know, they would never want, they would never, they, it's not true. Like I've had the best, most wonderful encounters where I've just had the audacity just to, see what happens, you know? And, uh, everyone likes, everybody loves a genuine real connection. So it doesn't matter who they are. It's great to just give it a try. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's that's (laughs) that.
1: Any final thoughts,
2: Evan? Uh, no, just other than this was, this was a, a, a truly wonderful, uh, conversation to to be a part of you know like sort of what we were talking about in this conversation of you know there's how there's certain elements that just can't be kind of pinned down and defined and you know this conversation had some of that quality to it for me but in in the most wonderful delightful kind of way I I can't wait to actually listen back to this podcast um and and just and just because yeah, it it's it's stirred it, this conversation has stirred a lot of stuff up for me, and and so it's like I don't know where everything's landing yet, because mm. <laughs> it's still kind of in the air. And um, but I love that. So uh, I just want to say thanks again, Dan, for for being uh, on the show and 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 just sharing some sharing some words and and exploring with us today.
1: Yeah, I'll second that. I mean, thanks a lot for coming on. I this has been great. And, you know, um, Evan and I started these conversations just kind of working on some creative projects. And we're like, man, we should have recorded that. <laughs> I'd like to listen to that again. And to go back to our roots, you know, that's how the podcast was formed. This was one of those conversations. And I just feel like it's such a gift to have gotten you to be a part of this. You know, just having a drink with us and, uh, you know, and and having a talk about all these things that are just, I don't know. I just think they're so... I don't want to say important, but like just so much about what this is, this experience for me. So thanks for being here.
0: All right. Yeah. Blessings guys. Blessings. Uh, Yeah. And you know, the ongoing courage to, to show up and to be who you are. It's beautiful, really beautiful. Yeah. Mm Yeah, and I'm glad for the, you know, the whole serendipity that, that um, made this possible and it connected us together, you know, three of us were strangers, uh, or you guys know each other, but I mean, I'm strangers to you. So for that, to now, uh, we're not. Now we're not. What a gift. Yeah, yeah. So thanks. Thanks so much. Really grateful.
2: Thanks for listening to the show. If you got something out of this, if you feel it improved your life or your journey in any way, please take a moment to subscribe, leave a review, or share the episode.
1: You can also support us on Patreon, where we have tons of great bonuses. You are the ones that make the show possible and help us to thrive. Thank you for joining us.